Welcome to In the Landscape, a podcast on all things landscape design and care related with your hosts, Kate and Charles Sadler. Welcome to this week's episode of In the Landscape. I'm your host, Kate Sadler, and today we have a special episode. It's going to be a little bit different format than we usually do, and we thought we'd try something a little different in order to share with you some of the information that we are generating for our class content. So today's episode is all about the tools, specifically as they relate to boxwood pruning, but this is true of tools that you would use for a lot of the different woody shrubs and even tree pruning that you might be doing in your own landscape. We hope the information here will be valuable, and we certainly welcome feedback. Just remember, if you're interested in taking one of our online courses, please enter promo code LANDSCAPE2020 at checkout, and that will give you access to a 25% discount on any of the courses listed. If there's something you don't see listed that you'd like us to cover, give us a shout out. This week, Charles is pretty busy getting ready for some synchronous classes and talks that he's going to be giving online, so we're trying to adapt to the new normal, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode all about pruning tools. Thanks for listening. Welcome to King Garden Education's Master Pruning Series, Boxwood. This is Module 2, Tools. The learning objectives for Module 2 include being able to select proper tools for the appropriate pruning task. This can range from hand thinning to the shearing of entire hedges learning how to properly maintain tools for long-term use, and how to practice safety. Safety is the most important principle when performing pruning. Protecting one's eyes, ears if using machinery, head protection when using mechanized tools, machinery, or larger plant transplanting or removals. Protecting one's hands from sharp tools with substantial gardening gloves, either cloth or leather, is my practice and is suggested. We are only as good as our tools. This holds true with the careful, attentive practice of boxwood pruning. Again, our goal when pruning is to aim to align our goals with that of the plant's goals for best horticultural and aesthetic results. Wearing personal protective equipment is vital to maintain safe work conditions for all. This includes having well-maintained sharp tools. In the design process, we carefully select the ideal size and shape plant for the situation based on its characteristics, abilities, and known limitations. Selecting the proper tool for the task of pruning is similar. The plant's goal is to produce new growth, producing seed, photosynthesizing, and so on. Pruning tools help maintain plants' safety in relation to people and property. Plant health, size, and beauty are also maintained with pruning. If the best plant and variety is selected for the site, pruning may be minimal. For topiary, formal gardens, parterres, hedges, plant sculpture, and cloud gardens, Pruning is an artistic practice to shape plants. If pruning is performed at the most favorable time of the year for the plant's growth cycle and the climate, the results can be increased health, safety, and beauty. Choosing the right tool for the pruning task at hand leads to the best outcomes for people and the plants. 
This includes minimal stress to the plant, elimination of damaging the plant, and increased beauty, reduction or elimination of risk of personal injury. A brief overview of boxwood tools includes tools for fine shearing, tools for coarser shearing, tools for thinning, tools for larger pruning cuts, tools for planting new boxwood, tools for transplanting boxwood from small to larger, and finally, tools for removing failed or overgrown boxwood. Safety comes first. Without a safe working environment, work can end prematurely. Injury occurs, no pruning can occur. So, safety first. Beginning with protecting ourselves. If we're using mechanized tools, gas or battery powered shears, it's vital to wear eye protection, ear protection, long sleeves and long pants are always a good idea also. If we're doing hand shearing, eye protection is still a great idea. Gardening gloves are known to protect your fingers, and they've saved my fingers many times from getting cut, where the glove was cut, but it didn't go through to my finger. Even though gloves can be might seem uncomfortable or cumbersome, they are very important. And I find by wearing them, I get used to it, and I can work just as efficiently and with the insurance that my hands are safe. Next is a site walkthrough and briefing. If you're doing work on your own property or in your own garden, this still applies. There could be pebbles, larger stones, twigs, branches, broken glass, soda bottles, water bottles. These are all items I found in gardens and I have tripped over. <laughs> So walking the site, making sure that the ground is level, is safe. If it's wet, be extra cautious and possibly postpone the work. If it's a steep site, be especially careful. Next, the care and inspection of the tools. With the gloves on, I take the tools out, make sure that they're well oiled. If I'm visiting a new garden, I sanitize them. If I'm transitioning from one part of a garden to another, I sanitize them with a kitchen disinfectant or even better, an isopropyl alcohol. 70% is suggested to help maintain safe conditions and not transmit uh, boxwood blight or reduce the chance of that. Throughout the work period, it's normal to get tired, thirsty, hungry. Taking regular breaks is important. When I work, I turn off my electronic devices so I'm not distracted. I would say distraction and fatigue cause injury. If I'm not focused, I'm likely to trip. The pruning tools that I used are extremely sharp, surgically sharp. And so mindfulness is a great idea, and it leads to increased safety and better results for a beautiful garden. For some gardeners, shopping for Tools is a highlight of gardening. Maybe that's true for you. Well, in any case, having good quality tools is vital to the best outcomes in your garden. One of my favorites are hand pruners or secateurs. These are bypass pruners, meaning the blade bypasses 
the second part of the device so that a very clean surgical cut is made. The other type of pruners are anvil pruners where the blade comes down on a plate and it crushes what you're pruning. I don't suggest these. This is a blunter, less accurate cut, not as good results. So with secateurs, to know what you're pruning can determine what type you purchase. In the picture, you'll see there's a black-handled pair. Those are extra large. So they would work for someone that has large hands. I, however, have average size hands, and I favor this pair to make larger cuts when needed and not have to grab larger loppers. They can still handle medium and finer cuts, not quite as easily, but having that large, long handle produces a lot of leverage, which I find is time savings and very efficient. The other pair you'll see in the picture has red and white handles. This is great for finer pruning, for thinning. There's a very nice action such that when they're closed, it's very definite and uh, it leaves a very beautiful cut. The third picture, you'll see a person wearing a pruning belt, which can be taken on or off, independent of your belt for your pants, which I find is efficient, and having a holster to hold the tool so it's always handy. It's important to try out the tool to make sure that it fits your hand. There are now many sizes available, some particularly made for women. Regardless, finding one that's the right size for you that feels comfortable. Caring for the tools is vital to ensure a long life and during their life that they're sharp, sanitary, and efficient. Just imagine if you had a dull pencil, you couldn't write as quickly. And that's the same with the pruning tools. So keeping them in tip-top shape, oiling, sanitizing during the work, applying a heavier oil, such as a white lithium oil or lanolin is a non-petroleum-based product, I believe. So a heavier oil to sit on the tool between uses, and that helps prevent corrosion. Next are shearing tools. When working with boxwood, I always suggest assessing the plant first, seeing if it's very dense, if you can see any interior growth, if there's air circulation, or is the outside so dense that no air or light is getting to the interior of the plant. If that be the case, best to thin the plant first, removing some of the denser, thicker growth, which may have resulted from repeated shearing. So, find shearing tools. These would be some of the wooden-handled tools pictured. These are great for shearing the fresh new growth of boxwood very precisely, accurately, with relative ease. They're not suited to an older hedge where you're cutting through thicker woody branches. Notice the wooden handles. I particularly like this style. They tend to be warm to the touch no matter what the weather. They don't get too hot. They don't get too cold. They're very light. And so when using them all day, I find that this really is important more or less making thousands and thousands of shearing motions throughout the day 
it's a great trait. The collection of tools on the wooden platform you see, there's a, a small hand shear. That works for very fine topiary work, for doing spirals, for boxwood cloud pruning, where you more or less want to get into a tight area and shear as opposed to use the secateurs. In some tight areas, the handles of the longer shears become cumbersome, and it's hard to get close enough to the area you want to prune. There's a small picture of a more heavy-duty shear. Now, those I find are a great asset when working on an older plant, or you're reducing a plant, or maybe you're creating topiary from scratch, and you're going to be making some larger shearing cuts where you want more power and a heavier-duty blade. These work great for that, and these can be purchased readily at a hardware store or wherever you buy your pruning tools. The topiary shears are a little harder to find, and specialty suppliers uh, will sell these. There's also what look like a medieval tool, which the common name are sheep shears. I don't use those personally myself, but those do have some popularity in the boxwood trade. And those are, there's two blades and they scissor together on the lower left. On the lower right is a battery powered hedge trimmer. And some uh, horticulturalist gardeners love this product. It's quite light, powerful. And I guess it's a personal preference. I tend to feel that the the hand pruners are more efficient and there's a higher level of precision. So whatever you choose, keeping the tools sharp, some of that sharpening you can do yourself. Uh, hardware stores and other suppliers can generally help you with sharpening, keeping them clean. The resin builds up from box pruning and there are many types of uh, petroleum-based products and other types of cleaning products which can keep those clean. Some of the cleaning products, some of the kitchen cleaning products, appear to have water in them such that when I have cleaned them and come back a day or two or a week later, there was some corrosion. So to prevent them from corroding, they can be sanitized and then an oil of some type can be applied to keep them from rusting. Next in the tool lineup, we have loppers pictured on a ladder, blue-handled. Loppers are a vital tool for larger pruning cuts. These may be needed for overgrown boxwood, for some type of renovation pruning, creation of topiary shapes from more mature plants where larger cuts are made. They're also helpful to reach inside a plant where possibly a larger plant would be hard to reach with your arm, these will give you additional reach. There are also bypass pruners. The other style is an anvil pruner, which I discourage. The anvil pruner, its finish cut is crushing the growth being cut instead of cleanly cutting it. So it's pictured our bypass pruners. Now another preference, the long, longer handled loppers, which you see are pictured, I'm going to guess those are about 30 inches long or so. That's a good length. Loppers also come in quite a short length, which I find are very inefficient. There's not enough leverage. It's better to use hand pruner secateurs when that's the case. 
So I would discourage from using the shorter handled loppers. I don't find that that, that serves any purpose. And myself, I try to buy the longest handled loppers possible. And there's much more leverage. Next are hand saws. You'll see a small folding hand saw pictured. The folding hand saw is a great tool. You can put it on your tool belt in a holster. I put it in the back pocket often or some of the pants that have uh, leg pockets uh, lower down the leg. What that does is it enables you, if it's too, if the cut is too large for the secateurs, the next is the loppers. If it's still too large, then the folding handsaw is great to have with you. And so I advocate having all the tools with you. I have a rolling tool caddy that is readily available at hardware stores and other suppliers. And that way, whatever pruning needs to be done, you have the tool right with you. And that saves time, efficiency, and so forth. The other picture, I'm pruning a topiary tree, and I'm using bypass pruners. So those are, the end of them is just like a pair of hand pruner secateurs. And there's a, a rod inside the long pole. And so it's a very definitive cut. So it's just about as accurate as if you were right on top of the plant. And those come in multiple lengths. The one I have pictured there is quite long. I'm going to guess it's about a five or six foot reach. And so that enables you to make very precise cuts from a distance. The other element are pole saws and pole loppers. Those generally are not used for boxwood pruning. But occasionally, they would be needed if there were if there was a larger plant that needed pruning. And so again, I advocate staying on the ground as much as possible. As soon as you got on a ladder, the chance of injury increases quite a bit. So ladders, of course, are a great tool. But if the pruning can be done from the ground with an extension pruner, that's what I would suggest. Next up in the pruning roster are mechanical tools. These serve an important purpose in the pruning world. They're certainly used by commercial landscape teams where quantity of pruning appears to be important. Myself, I favor quality first. Mechanical tools can certainly be an effective way to prune boxwood, and they are used throughout the world to do so. My experience is the effort to hold and manage a mechanical trimmer with the motor, whether it's battery or gas power or otherwise, is rel- relatively substantial. So it requires quite a bit of effort to operate them. In reality, you're not going to be pruning every second. That's my experience. I'm assessing. I like to step back, see if more is needed. The hand pruning tools, I find are harmonious with this approach of consideration, what's really needed. The mechanical tools create a phenomenon of when it's in your hand, there's a compulsion to use it, even if the plant really doesn't need to be pruned. (laughs) So mechanical tools certainly have a place. However, I would caution discernment. Is it the best tool for for pruning boxwood to really assess what's needed. Pictured, the smaller photo 
that is a battery-powered tool, a lithium-ion, I believe. Those are quite light, and it's easy to stop the mechanism when you're not using them, even if it's just for a, a moment. And then they immediately start back up. That's a great innovation. And I see gardeners throughout my garden network uh, throughout the world using the, that type, the battery-powered, and really enjoying it. To the right of that is an extension pruner with an oscillating or a head that rotates. And so that's a valuable tool for larger hedge work to reach tall hedges, tall topiary. The head can be angled to meet the item that you're pruning. That's also a battery powered. On the bottom is a more traditional gas powered mechanical trimmer. I own a similar one myself. The benefits of this very powerful compared to hand tools. So if the volume that you're going through, if you're reducing a hedge significantly, which I've done, where the goal is to reduce a box hedge by 12 inches or 6 inches, this can be a good tool, the, either the battery or the gas-powered, where it's a large volume, you're cutting through a lot of material, and one would get fatigued very quickly with hand tools. For everyday, more cosmetic shearing, I don't know that the mechanical trimmers are the best option. It needs further investigation for your particular garden, and, and it's a personal choice, of course. What's the best tool for, for the operation? At some of the dealers of these various tools, you can try out the tool, feel the weight. I would certainly encourage that. The weight varies significantly, and it's important to find, again, like with the other tools, a tool that suits your, your needs, your strength, physique, your style of work. And if it is the right tool, I always encourage buying high quality, something that will last a long time, have minimal maintenance. And the benefits of that, again, is time saved and precise pruning cuts made are very valuable. I aim to have a deep respect for the tools that I use. I find this respect and care leads to approaching the pruning with a spiritual mind, aiming to do just what's required to give the work my full attention. It leads to safety, that I'm in the present moment. It leads to a better outcome, beautifully pruned oxwood and other plants. So when I find myself rushing, it's often when mistakes happen, tools could get broken, people can get injured. So the care and respect that I approach the maintenance of the tools is often the first step in my pruning day, where I carefully open up all the shears and the other implements I'll be using, make sure that they're sanitized from any previous work, apply either a petroleum or a lanolin, which is an animal-based lubricant. Make sure the tools are sharp. If there's any resin on them from previous work, occasionally that will happen. It'll be a long pruning day and they don't get thoroughly cleaned. So using what you would use to sharpen a tool, a file, I find a file 
can be a good tool to scrape off some of the resin that builds up from a lot of box pruning. So I find my process is to use a, a kitchen disinfectant, a, something that you would use to spray and clean a surface. That's generally a, a good first step when there's resin and buildup on, on the tools. And if I have a number of tools to clean, I often spray all the tools first and let that cleaning agent soak in a bit. Another product, a, a petroleum-based oil, that can also help get off some of the resins. And if it's particularly built up, using a pair of secateurs can help scrape off the resin from the shears or, like I described, a, a pruning file carefully used. So once the majority of that material is off, I often then spray it with more cleaning disinfectant. And then, like in the picture, I'm using a cloth rag, which you can purchase at a hardware store or another supplier. And so having a number of these available, and these can be laundered and used again. So inspect, sanitize, clean, periodically sharpen them. On some particularly arduous pruning projects, the tools can be sharpened throughout the day to keep them in tip-top shape. Again, if the tool is not sharp, one is more likely to slip or to apply excess force to perform pruning, and then the increases, the chance of injury increases. And then to periodically inventory the tools. If there's a larger quantity of tools, uh, this could be done with a spreadsheet, which we've done. When was the tool purchased? Did it need to be repaired? When was it last sharpened? If it's on a smaller home scale, just periodically throughout the season, at the end of the season, the beginning of the season, assessing the tools. Storing the tools is quite important. Where they're stored and how much humidity is important. So if I'm going to be storing the tools for a period of time, weeks or months, in the off-season, applying a heavy oil, such as a lithium, white lithium oil, or another product that will more or less just sit right on the metal surface, and that prevents the tool from corroding. This is an important step. Tools are often stored in, sh in sheds, basements, garages. All these areas, in my experience, are rather damp and humid, and the tools are likely to rust. So having an area where it's less humid, this could be in a closet, possibly a garage would be less damp, and that will lead to a longer life for the tools, more service, more enjoyment, and more beautiful boxwood. In the Landscape is brought to you by King Garden, a full-service landscape design, care, and education company. Enjoying what you hear on our podcast? We encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. We'd love to hear from you. So drop us a line at connect at kinggardeninc.com. We welcome show ideas, gardening and design questions, and always corrections. We travel all over North America giving garden talks and leading trainings. Check us out at kinggardeninc.com for our speaking details, and also take a look at our online course offerings for more in-depth explorations of topics covered on our show.